verse 1, it says, May the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. May the name of Jacob's God protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and sustain you from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offerings. Salah. May he give you what your heart desires and fulfill your whole purpose. Let us shout for joy at your victory and let the banner in the name of our God. May the Lord fulfill all your requests. Now I know that the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with mighty victories from his right hand. Some take pride in chariots and others in horses. But we take pride in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand firm. Lord, give the victory to the king, and may he answer us on the day that we call. There are several ways in this psalm that we see how David has put his trust in the Lord. And number one, you put your trust in the Lord by turning to prayer. Before you do anything else, you put your trust in the Lord by turning to him in prayer. It says, may the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. May the name of Jacob's God protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and sustain you from Zion. May you remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offering. Salah, may he give you what your heart desires and fulfill your whole purpose. Now, the belief of how this psalm is written is that this part is actually the people praying for the king. But it's the king who has called the people together to pray. You see, the psalm is a royal psalm, and as the king was about to go out to war, he, he would stop and pray and worship in the sanctuary. Because before the army went out to battle, the Jewish law of warfare required that officers and soldiers first dedicate themselves to the Lord. In Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, it says, When you go out to war against your enemies, and see horses, chariots, and an army larger than yours, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, is with you. When you are about to engage in battle, the priest is to come forward and address the army. He is to say to them, Listen, Israel, today you are about to engage in battle with your enemies. Do not be cowardly. Do not be afraid, alarmed, or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and give you the victory. What we see here in this psalm is such a dedication service where the king is praying, the people are praying, and both are coming together in soul trust in the Lord. You see, prayer was never meant to be a last resort. Prayer is a method of proper equipping and preparation. whatever battles come your way until you've been prayed up. You have to prepare the right way. We see regularly in the life of David that prayer was not the last thing on his mind, but it was where he always turned to. It should be the same for us. 
prayer should not be like, oh, I've done everything else, now I'll go pray. Rather, it's pray first, then do everything else. I've heard it said that you pray as if it all depends upon God, and then when you've done that, then you go and you work as if it all depends on you. David would turn and pray to God, especially when he was in trouble. Going to God in prayer is trusting that God is going to act on our behalf. David rightfully believed that God acts on behalf of his people. We know this to be true. His word tells us that God wants to act on behalf of his people. It says, may the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. Look how many times it's everywhere it says may. Look at what it's asking. May the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. May the name of Jacob's God protect you. May he send you help and sustain you. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offering. May he give you what your heart desires and fulfill your whole purpose. May the Lord fulfill all your requests. That prayer is solely trusting for God to answer it. It's not saying, David, may you and your own skill go out there and just be wonderful. It's not saying, David, you've been victorious before. We trust that you'll be victorious again. David was victorious. And he was skillful in battle. All throughout his life, but yet, he trusted the Lord for the victory. Sometimes, I know myself all too well. When I start getting good at something, I stop asking God for help. And so I'm glad that the Lord keeps me very unable to do a lot of things. I have to pray to him all the time. I'm like, Lord, I don't understand this. I need your help. And he'll, he'll do that. The more we depend upon ourselves, the weaker he will make us so that we have to depend on him. Because God doesn't want us to go off on our own strength because he knows when we do that, we fall, we fail, we lose. But when we go off trusting in him, we, we, we trust in him and he gives us his strength. The repeated phrase, may he or may the Lord, denotes that it is the Lord's prayer looking to to provide everything necessary for the victory itself. It also says, may he accept your sacrifice. And you know what this helps us to understand? Sometimes not all of our sacrifices are acceptable. Sometimes we come before God and we're like, hey, check out this really great thing that I brought before you. And, and, and really it does nothing to honor God. Not all prayers for all of our desires will be answered by God either. We're told what? By Jesus. He says, anything you pray in my name will be done for you. When we take that, we're like, man, I can, as long as I say in Jesus' name at the end of my prayer, I get what I want. But what he's saying is when you pray according to my character, according to what I would do, according to what is in, in equality with who I am, then you get what you want. So when we pray for the salvation of people, when we pray for the Lord to expand his kingdom, when we pray for Jesus to do things, then it happens. If they're not offered accordingly, they're not acceptable. Sacrifices is laid out in the book of Leviticus and prayers are described throughout Scripture. If they don't line up, they won't be remembered and they won't be accepted by God. That's a hard thing for us to sometimes consider, but 
we have to understand we worship God on His terms, not on our terms. When our desires are in accord with the plan and the will of God, first we can pray with confidence that God will grant us our requests. And we also have to continue to look to God to bring our desires more into alignment with Him. This is what He says that He has predestined us to be conformed into the image of His Son. His desire is for us to become more and more Christ like in all aspects, not just in our, in our attitude and our character, but also our spiritual prayer life. As we grow, you see, our desires are out of alignment when our relationship with the Lord is broken. That's why it's important to bring an acceptable sacrifice, an acceptable worship, an acceptable prayer to Him, because that can note that we have a right relationship as well. We understand this is what God asks for, this is what God wants, this is what I'm bringing to God. As opposed to the rebellious side that says, this is what I have, this is what God gets, and you'll be happy with it. When our hearts are far from the Lord in relationship, our hearts are far from the Lord's heart in prayer. And that's why our prayers are hindered in such things. And the Lord has said He won't hear prayers while we are not in right relationship with Him. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had been aware of malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Proverbs 28:9. Anyone who turns his ear away from hearing the law, even his prayer is detestable. I know this one's to, to the husbands only, but I guarantee you it's for the wives as well. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with the weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. God cares about our relationships. God cares about us being in right relationship. If you're right before God, He'll hear you. That's how you can trust in the Lord. You come before Him, you trust in Him, because you're going to be right with Him, and you know that He's going to hear you, and help you, and give you the victory. By the same token, if you're not right with the Lord, a lot of times you're not coming to the Lord in prayer anyway. And that's why we fall. That's why we stumble. God also has given each one of us a purpose in our life to fulfill. It's part of his plan throughout the ages. What a wonderful thought to consider, right? That the Lord has considered each and every one of us individually to fit some part of his plan overall entirely. Some of us are we're not extras. You know how in the movie they just throw people that are extras, they have no speaking parts, they have no other parts, they're just there to fill the background. God didn't do that with us. God has chosen each one of us individually to use specifically. And when we trust in the Lord, we trust that He has a purpose for us. And we're, I, I tell my wife this all the time, and this is a thing that I've had for a long time. I'm not scared of most things because I know this. I'm invincible till the day God calls me home. And He's not calling me home till my purpose is fulfilled. But we can live with that exact hope. We can live with that exact thought and trust in the Lord. And that was the trust that uh, King David had. He knows that he had a plan and a purpose, and some of us play a larger part like King David, in which he was to subdue the land and bring forth in his lineage the promised Messiah. But the key to fulfill his 
says that some take pride in chariots, others in horses, but we take pride in the name of the Lord our God. The character and faithfulness of God is mightier in David's eyes than thousands of chariots and thousands of horses. In fact, Israel was told this, you are not to have large numbers of chariots. And you are not to have large numbers of horses because you are to trust only in the Lord for your battles. And we know this to be true, David, knew this to be true. Even in the face of overwhelming might and odds, it is God who will give the victory. But this is easy to forget because it's so counterintuitive to our human reasoning and logic. We see a vast army and we say, I'm doomed. We see uh, overwhelming forces, and we say there's no hope. The end of those who trust in horses and chariots, David describes, he says, they collapse and fall. Literally, they bow down, prostrated in submission, and fall or suffer ruin, defeat, and failure. Notice the antithetical parallel between those who trust in chariots and horses and those who trust in the name of the living God. Those who trust in chariots and horses, they fall, they stumble, they fail. Because they trust in things that do not have sovereign power. But those who trust in the name of the Lord our God, they rise and stand firm. You see, they rise, they 
stand to one's feet, they stand firm, they resist, they stand against, because God is sovereign and God is omnipotent to cause them to rise and not be moved. And He can do the same thing for you and I. That He can cause us to rise in our troubles, in our battles, and in our fights. And He can cause us to not be moved. Because the enemy wants us to move. He wants us to say, okay, God's word isn't truth. Okay, God isn't everywhere. God can't help me. That's what the enemy wants us to say. But God wants us to stand on the fact that his word is truth. There is no other truth. God is there. And God gives the victory to those who trust in him. It's better to trust in him than any amount of stockpiled weapons. And those who are on the Lord's side will stand upright when the smoke of the battle clears. King David expressed great confidence. Look at verse 6. Verse 6, he says, Now I know that the Lord gives victory to his anointed. And he would specifically answer from his holy heaven with mighty victories from his right hand. David says, Now I know. David doesn't say, Now I hope. He doesn't say, I think. He doesn't say, I feel. No, he speaks with a confidence. He says, Now I know. And what is it that he knows? That God gives victory to his anointed. It's a definite statement of faith. As long as the king and the army is carrying out God's purposes, God's ways, they can trust God for their victory. God is seen as willing to save them. The key to this is not God being on their side. Many falsely assume that they need to have God on their side. Truth is, we need to be on God's side. Joshua found this out when they were crossing over into the promised land. There was a time when Joshua near Jericho. He looked up, he saw the man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And he approached him and he asked, Are you for us or our enemies? And his character said, Neither. I'm the captain of the Lord's armies. And essentially saying, No, 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 you don't get it. Those aren't the sides. The side is everybody else and God. And you need to be on God's side. This statement is also a definite statement of faith in that not only is God willing to save, but it's a statement of confidence that God is able to save. It doesn't matter how vast the army, it doesn't matter how well developed and trained and, and equipped the warriors are. Our faith and our confidence for the victory relies less on experience and training and more on our closeness with the Lord. If experience and training counts for anything, it's to continue to shape our utter and total and complete dependence upon the Lord. In 1 John 5, 4, because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that's conquered the world. Our faith. Without our faith, we will fall. It's our faith in God that conquers the world. 
to what is not yet. And those who have faith in God can claim the victory before it is ever there. When we kneel in faith, turning to prayer, kneeling in faith, then we can stand in commitment. Verse 9. David says, Lord, give victory to the king. May he answer us on the day that we call. David cries out, Lord, give victory to the king. Again, he's looking to the Lord for victory, and he's calling out for it. And those who live by faith in God through the grace of God will find themselves crying out to God. You cannot have faith in God if you never go to God. We stand committed to God because our faith demands that we trust in God. Crying out to God might be seen as some by a lack of faith or a lack of commitment, but that's not true. It's like, oh, you don't trust that God's got it in his hand, you've got to cry out to him. Yeah, absolutely. He's told me that he, he waits me. It's like my kids. My kids trust me to take care of them, but hey, when they get scared, they call out to me. And God calls us to do the same thing. Crying out to God demonstrates we're committed and dependent upon Him for His help. In the life of the people of God as believers is such that we work out of our weakness, not our strength. It's through our weakness that God is most glorified. Which is quite opposite of the world, right? We hide our weakness from the world because they want to exploit it. God wants us to show our weakness so that in our weakness he can be shown to be strong. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. That's saying this, that God can take someone like me and do mighty things that are beyond my capability because he's God, not because he's limited by me. In order that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We stand committed to the Lord. Who cares if we can do it in our own strength, right? Do, do, do we get all excited and get goosebumps on our arms when someone tells us a story of, and there I was. My neighbor came over to the house, and they wanted to know the recipe for cookies. So I wrote it down for them. He said, memorized it. Or do we get goosebumps more when someone shares, this person came to me with this impossible problem, in this scripture that I had buried in my heart, the Lord brought it up. And that scripture spoke directly to them. They gave their life to Christ over this scripture. Like, it's not even one of those scriptures that calls them to give their life to Christ. But because of that, they gave their life to Christ. We can just don't show that. Why? Because God chose the weak things of the world to confound the wise so that he gets all the glory. You see, when, when God intervenes through his miraculous working, that people encounter, they're touched by the presence of God. God's people tend to live tolerating a lesser life because we choose to live in doubt and we choose to live in fear. 
levels of values, but it is a choice when we live that way. Because we are faced all the time with lies. And our choice is, are we going to believe the truth of God, or are we going to take the lie as what happened so long ago in the garden? Remember when the serpent came up to Eve? What was his word? He said, did God really say? We have that choice. And my life is falling apart because the Lord doesn't love me. I'm weak because I, the Lord just, I don't have the faith for God, and so that's why he chooses not to use me. Or do we remember the truth that God has created each one of us individually for a purpose, not only by him, that he's going to, that he who began a good work in us is going to see it through to the end. For we have trust also that what it says that he prepared us beforehand for works that he will also empower us for. would assume their place. But I would also submit this to you. I would say it seems that God creates situations or even puts us in those situations or just allows those situations that need a miracle that only He can do to stop. God has already prepared it, ways for us, where we are to call out to Him. Because to do anything else is to give up the victory. Those times where we feel the Lord doesn't show up today and that's it, I'm done. We're done for. We're done with. The ministry's toast. My life is toast. My marriage is toast. My kids are toast. Whatever it is in your life that seems to be falling apart or whatever it is that seems to need the touch of God, we have to trust that He will show up. And we have to trust, do you live and go to battle in such a way that you are like the woman in the crowd that said, if I could just touch His hand. The fights, the calls for the Lord, Knowing if he would just answer. That's all I need. Not if the Lord would give me more money. Not if the Lord would just give me kids that are wildly native. Not if the Lord would just give me a spouse that knows whatever it is. But if I could just have the Lord touch whatever it is. Are you empty completely of yourself and your resources so you have no choice but to cry out and depend upon God completely. Because those who live committed to God see no other resources besides the answer of God. And without it, they know they'll fail. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, some trust in bank accounts, some trust in 401ks, some trust in as steady jobs and trust in whatever it is. But those who are committed say, Oh, that is nothing 
There's a truth we never know what it is that we trust in until we're tested. It's in the testing that we prove who it is or what it is that we trust the most. Let us be like David. Let us be like the people under David's rule and reign, in which they say, we trust in God. We trust in his name. We trust in his word. We trust in his promises. We trust in his power. And we trust in his victory. Now David said, I know that you give the anointed the victory. And there's two ways in which this is taken. The first is, he has anointed the sense of every king of Israel being God's anointed because they're all appointed to their office after being anointed by oil. Which was a picture of the spiritual anointing of the Holy Spirit needed for fulfilling the duty and leading the people of God according to the plan and purpose of God as king. The second way it's meant is it's understood that at the same time, one day there would come one ultimate anointing one. The perfect king of Israel. The Messiah. The Christ. And that's also a cry of faith. That the Lord God would save his anointed. And that he would keep him from sin. He would keep him from failing. He would keep him from all of that so that he could die the death of the cross to provide salvation for all who believe in him. Giving him the victory. Giving his people under his reign the victory. You know who the people under his reign are? If you're here tonight and you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are under his reign. You are his people. The church is his people. And those are the ones who have the victory because the king is victorious. When we are committed to the Lord, it means that we're committed to the Lord's way and the Lord's plan. Many times we face a battle and we never think to ask. We think to ask for the victory. But how many times do we ask how he would have us fight the battle? And then how many of us would follow his battle plan? I mean, if you read through the scripture, you see that there's some weird battle plans. You have Joshua who was told to march around the walls of Jericho just shouting. And he says, and then the walls will fall down. How many of you have ever shouted at a wall and had it fall down? It's absurd to us, right? Or what about what he did with Gideon, where he told Gideon to take a hundred warriors, and, and, and you surround the camp, and you all break your lantern at the same time and shout for the Lord and for Gideon, and they're going to run around and start stabbing themselves. I would have never been like, how that's right here in this book of strategy. You just follow that. But here's the thing. If you always ask God how he would have us fight, and feel us follow that battle plan, because this, it's usually difficult. Because it requires trust. And it's usually requiring a cost that we don't want to pay. Truth of it is, when we follow the battle plan that God gives us, the payoff is worth it because it's then that we enjoy the victory. This psalm is applied in the victory that. 